I want want you to know that I am risking my and my home's well-being just for you tonight. What have you done? Is it something weather-related? Uh, yeah, I always have to shut off my furnace when we record the podcast so there's no background noise. So, fingers crossed on the other side of this, I don't have a bunch of burst pipes. Oh, that's the risk. Okay, yeah, because I could freeze over pretty quickly in your current uh, situation. Uh, yeah, I think I'll be okay for uh, an hour or two. I thought you were going to tell me that you were risking, like, toes and fingers to frostbite. Maybe. Maybe maybe the cold will seep in so quickly that my office will be frozen. <laughs> I, I did prior to the show, like, for the last 30 minutes, I shut the door to my office, and I ran a space, space heater in here. So the whole office is, like, 10 degrees warmer than the rest of the house. Mm-hmm. So it'll last a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids? Oh, the kids are with their mom okay. right now, yeah. Okay, that's handy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, you'd have to chuck them a blanket. Get under this for the next hour, kids. Yeah, I mean, what do you think I do with them when we record? I just tie them up and put them in the closet. Mm Hmm. Yeah. So. It's the easiest way. The blanket also absorbs a lot of the sound that they make. Right, exactly. Hmm. Anyway, I should probably open the show notes. Uh, So the DTK return was amended. Slightly. Yeah, that's uh, exciting for me because when we first got the return notification and we were told that we would get $200 and we have to use it by the end of May uh, and on an, and M1. On an M1 Mac, right? Uh, that's really limiting, especially when it seemed like that was specifically worded so that whatever they announce at WWDC this year, you couldn't buy right because they're gonna right it was like <laughs> an exclusionary statement mm-hmm. we do not want you buying the new stuff we've got old inventory to ship and you developers are buying it from us like it or not <laughs> yeah so since i already have an m1 macbook pro i i kind of felt i wasn't going to waste the 200 dollars. i wasn't just going to let it lapse obviously so i was prepared to buy a mac mini and then figure out what i was going to do with it later uh, but now, now that it's been amended and it's a uh, full $500 to be used on any app product by the end of the year, uh, I don't even know if, if nothing else, if, if no new Apple Silicon computers come out that interest me this year, it at least, you know, gets me halfway to this year's iPhone. So it's a win-win either way. That's true. Yeah. Save it for there. Yeah. Or... 10 five packs of air tags so you could tag everything <laughs> tag every child every car every partner i i bet it's gonna be a three pack for a hundred dollars i don't think you can get five for a hundred bucks Oof, three for a hundred bucks no no then it's dead in the water you think they're gonna be no that one cheap would buy that i don't know it's got to be a five pack i 30 bucks each mm-hmm. Oof. i mean look at a tile tracker that's about what they sell for is it yeah so hmm. anyway i'm very excited any thoughts on the actual uh flip-flop by apple to actually change this uh it's weird it's it's weird for apple to to uh backtrack on something like that uh even when they make decisions that are usually thought by the community as at large 
to be bad, they stick to them for a long time. Uh, so for them to backpedal so quickly, I, I wonder what brought that about because the developer community is small and the developer community that bought an, a developer transition kids is even smaller. So I can't imagine there was that much backlash. No, there wasn't. There wasn't backlash, really. There were, like, grumblings and a few minor mm-hmm. complaints, you know, a few big high-profile tweets saying, tweeters tweeting that it was, like, less than satisfactory. But I think what happened is it was planned by, like, middle management and released, and then someone in upper management went, whoa, 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 that's so stingy. We can do better than that. Right. I think that has to be it. Because I don't think any outside force would have made them change their mind. Uh, Which is, it's kind of cool. Because this is very much in line with the way they've historically treated developers. With last transition kits. uh, uh, And and I think with the Intel transition kit, you weren't given a credit. You were just given an Intel iMac when you had to return a transition kit. Uh, But... It's it's nice to see appreciation in some way for all the people. I, I'm i not going to try to say that I'm included in this just because I own a transition kit, but all the people that, that spent a lot of time and effort making sure the launch of Apple Silicon went smoothly and it was well-supported, I think that it's nice for those people to be appreciated and, and not feel like they had to pay for the priv- privilege of helping Apple have a successful launch. Mm, yep. Um, That's how it was coming across, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, My only uh, complaint about it, because as far as getting, uh, as far as the $200 initial return was, I think that was great. I wasn't expecting necessarily anything. Uh, Like I said, I know it's been in line with their their past behavior to give the money back to developers, but I was prepared to lose $500 just to play with Apple Silicon a few months early. Um, However, the transition kits were terrible uh they basically ran the version of mac os they shipped to you with they never got the uh, beta software updates or anything else so you're always stuck on the very earliest version and they crashed a bunch and it was it was spelled out in the terms they could take them back at any time they want but it was implied that you were going to get your transition kit for a year so the fact they wanted them back after four or five months and they didn't work very well that whole time it makes sense just to be reimbursed for those reasons alone because uh, it wasn't a good experience and everything else that came with the transition kit package that was like the online support and the forum that you got in the developer.apple.com uh, was mostly just people like asking each other for help because there was very few apple reps actually in that support forum trying to offer uh, help and feedback. Hmm, okay. I had no idea it was such a poor experience. I didn't really... I guess the uh, NDA kept a lot of people from really talking openly about it. Uh, yeah, I think that that was a big part of it because behind the scenes in the forums, there was a lot of complaining. And it seems like now that Apple's asking for the kids back and some people were complaining, uh, that's been talked about a little bit more. And I don't think it was a universal experience, but a lot of people, and myself included, who did very little work on the DTK, experienced a lot of the crashing and, and no updates. 
So fingers crossed there's something really exciting that I can can buy this year. I don't know. It, maybe the new iMacs are going to be so cool that I'll just have to put one in my recording booth or something. And then my laptop will be free to just be a portable computer and not sit on my desk anymore. Oh, wouldn't new iMacs be good? I'm I'm excited for the new design, if nothing else. I think they're going to look really cool. I'm also excited for the idea of this like mini Mac Pro tower that's been rumored for the last couple months. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a really cool solution for me, especially since I've already got the ultra-fine monitor. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have to see. But lots of things that I am anticipating and that $500 credit will make it easier to to swallow when it comes out. Yeah, sure will. <laughs> Good position to be in, I think, to have that money to spend this year. Yeah, exactly. How's your uh, unlock with Apple Watch experience been, so? wearing a mask and unlocking with face id and the watch gives a little helping hand my experience has been excellent Uh, i don't leave the house very often Uh, so so it's very rare that i get to really test it but every time i'm out and about and i pull my phone on my pocket i've gotten so conditioned over the last year to expect to enter my passcode when my phone just unlocks for me it feels like a magical experience And I have not experienced any issues with it failing about proximity issues or, or still prompting a passcode. Every time I've, I've tried to unlock my phone with a mask on, it's just worked now. And it's, it's made, uh, being out and about so much easier. My experience was a little bit more mixed, but I, but in the end it was a good experience. So when I first updated, I was, you know, just sitting at my desk and I put a mask on and I tried to unlocked my phone a bunch of times and it was like one in every 10 times it would actually work Mm -hmm. Uh, so i just you know kind of forgot about it and thought maybe wait until the next beta Uh, but then either that day or the next day i was actually doing some shopping and then it was like a little bit more reliable than that it was you know at least 50 percent and then a few days later i was like out in a park and then it was like pretty much almost a hundred percent of the time it was unlocking um and yet around the house, it's still pretty bad. So my theory was that there's just a lot of wireless interference around the house. So when I'm sitting at my desk, obviously, Wi-Fi is pumping out interference and Bluetooth and the phone and the AirPods and, you know, there's all sorts going on. So if there's mm-hmm. any scenario where like a, a technology that relied on Bluetooth latency to function effectively uh, was going to fail... I think sitting in front of a computer or running on Wi-Fi was probably it while using AirPods. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, the uh, I would say it's actually very good. Um, the the downsides or the things that weren't implemented, probably won't be implemented, is uh, using Apple Pay. It doesn't work. You still have to type in your passcode. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one other scenario where it didn't work. I can't remember. It's probably probably App Store or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So Apple Pay is a big one because whenever you're using Apple Pay, you've got a mask on, basically. Right, because yeah. Because you're somewhere. <laughs> somewhere right. <laughs> I don't know who's got a little FPOS terminal in the house. <laughs> but you can just use Apple Pay on your watch. Good point. I never do that. Never, ever. Oh, really? wonder why. I always use it on my watch. It's great. Probably because I feel like a big nerd paying for something with my watch. <laughs> I've been surprised, especially in the US where tap to pay is so rare still. 
how accustomed all the cashiers came. Like, I think within the first, you know, few months of having an Apple Watch and using Apple Pay, everyone was like, whoa, you can use your watch to pay for something? But after that, I have not got a single comment on it. Like, everyone's just used to the idea mm. of paying with your watch now. Yeah, I don't really get looks either. The few times when I do remember to do it. Mm-hmm. But in the yeah early days, it was like, whoa, what are you doing, man? Are you from the future? <laughs> um, but I don't have to wear a mask anymore. So it doesn't really matter for me anymore. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Because we had, uh, we had that uh, one case of uh, the coronavirus. We had a hard lockdown for a week. And then we had one additional week of masks. Uh, and there were no further cases. So That is awesome. We're in the clear. Yeah. I got, I think my first real experience going out in, in kind of a public way in, with a mask, uh, my, my son, <laughs> well, like I've, like I've gone grocery shopping and sounds like a sexuality related thing. Sorry. <laughs> I, I've avoided going out to any like public events or, or venues or things like that right. as much as I can. Mm-hmm. My son's birthday was last weekend and He's been really into Legos, and so uh, we took him to Legoland for his birthday, Uh, but only because looking into it online, Legoland has been able to handle like minimizing contact and stuff really well, I think. You've got to reserve a time, and they keep a very limited number of people in the facility within like every few hour windows. Uh, so there was only a very few number of people there. So we were able to stay away from each other. And whereas in the past we've gone to Legoland, they've got just Legos everywhere. Building sets and race car tracks and castles and, and fake uh, kitchens and things like that where you can build whatever you want. Uh, that was all gone. There was no Legos anywhere. Uh, except when you walk in, every kid was given a big tub of sterilized Legos and they brought that around with them to all the stations and that was their Legos for the day that they could use and no one oh, else touched. Awesome. Yeah. I thought it was a, a pretty good experience. Um, and so it, he also got a minions face mask. Oh <laughs> yeah. That's, that's just his mask. Okay. So that's <laughs> not provided by Lego Corp. Right. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, with kids, you gotta figure out the best way to get them to keep their masks on and, and, the more fun a mask is, the more likely they are to keep it. So yeah, they all get to pick out some fun masks like the start of the school year. So, uh, but yeah, I was impressed as hesitant as I was to go out uh, and do something like that. It seemed like it was handled really well. And I'm a little more optimistic for the way things are handled (laughs) around here at least. Mm, Yeah, that's great. Uh, on the photo montage you put on Instagram, he is wearing the mask 50% of the time. I think the other couple of the photos were taken at my house. Oh, okay. <laughs> they weren't They weren't all at Legoland. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so I, I caved this week. You bought 15 HomePods. <laughs> Just one, but I, I couldn't wait for a sale anymore. So I, I bit the bullet and I spent the full $300 on another HomePod. Uh Oh, the, on the original HomePod, full-size, full-price HomePod. Yep, yep. I, so what I decided... What about that one in the hallway you keep tripping over? 
yeah, but then what would I have to listen to my podcast when I'm walking from the bathroom to the bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> like, I got to keep <laughs> continuous audio everywhere. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, the hallway is not going to fill itself with audio, is it? Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I thought I was being smart uh, about this because I really wanted to try out a stereo pair paired with my Apple TV for like my home entertainment setup. And so I already had one HomePod in the living room and I took the one out of my bedroom and plugged it in the bedroom and to the living room as well. So I could pair them and try out what the, how it worked to connect to the Apple TV. I'd never actually tried that yet. And it was incredible. Uh, I'm not a big audio guy. I've been perfectly content using the built-in speakers on my flat screen TVs for as long as I've owned televisions. Uh, so to have dedicated audio at all is a big improvement. But I think the HomePods did an excellent job uh, filling the room, a really, really good stereo separation going on. Like it felt like there was sound coming from like either side of my head as I was listening. And surprisingly, uh, thumpy bass, which is not good because my living room is, I live in a duplex. And so my living room wall is the shared wall between me and my neighbor. <laughs> So the hmm. worst place to have loud thumpy audio is right there. But like it shook my living room, which I was surprised by just for having a couple of home pods. But anyway, so I, I was so in love with that, that I decided that I, that I, they couldn't wait because I, I do use the home pod in my bedroom a lot. So I couldn't go without that. Uh, so I just, I bit the bullet and I bought another one and it's been awesome. So a home pod mini couldn't fill that spot in your bedroom. I thought about it. I even thought I could get two HomePod minis and have a stereo HomePod minis in my bedroom and still be cheaper than one HomePod. Uh, but I, I don't know. I was, I was worried about, I don't know why I was worried about audio quality. A HomePod mini would have been fine. Uh, but my have to have the best mentality took over. And if I'm not sticking it in the bathroom, mm. then it's gotta be the best. I can deal with having mm. lesser than audio if I'm yeah. taking a shower, but I don't know that. And the problem with having a stereo pair in my bedroom, I've only got two places that I could really set a home pod. One would be, wait, 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 you've already got one in your bedroom. I've got one home pod in my bedroom, but I was saying if I were to get two minis instead of the one full size, uh -huh. one, uh, yeah, which on. I thought about and probably would have been okay with, but I've got my, my dresser at the foot of my bed. And the only other surface I could set a HomePod on is my nightstand next to my bed, which there would be no definitive left and right in that case. It would just be right next to my head and at my feet. And they're both kind of in the center of the room. So there, there's no right and left. And I thought that might end up sounding weird to have my right channel behind me and my left channel in front of me. Uh, yeah, it'd only be for loudness, really, at that point. Right. So I thought a HomePod would would serve that purpose better it's louder than two homepod minis i'm sure and it still probably sounds better i'd say so yeah probably yeah good call i'm frankly shocked that you haven't tried a, a stereo pair with your tv before how it, what how many how long has homepod been out like three years well it's it's only that's true that you could connect a stereo pair to your tv as like a bluetooth audio device it was only as of the latest version of tvos that you can pair it natively and like all sound effects would come through your home pods uh so it was actually kind of finicky in the past to use home pods with your tv 
and and now surely not using bluetooth though it's probably using well sure wi-fi or, or yeah airplay or whatever um but it's only as of this latest version that's got like system level integration um so i just never felt like dealing with it before and 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 now it seemed like it was a, a complete solution that i wouldn't have to worry about it it connecting and disconnecting or maybe like i open disney plus and it doesn't work as well for some reason and and uh yeah so i felt strongly motivated as of the latest update to actually try it yeah okay so you go into settings on the apple tv and like audio sound and then you just set the home pods as the output device is that it uh it's not even that hard you you um. so i had a home pod in my living room already i brought the other home pod from my bedroom and plugged it in and immediately a notification showed up on my phone saying, do you want to make a stereo pair? And so I hit yes. And then immediately after that, it said, do you want to use this stereo pair as the audio output for your Apple TV? And I hit yes. And then it just worked. <laughs> <laughs> and that was all on the phone, not even on the Apple TV. Right. Yeah. It just saw they were all in the same room. And so it asked me if I wanted to set it up that way. I almost want a TV just so I can try it. Do you, you don't have a TV at all or you don't have an Apple TV? I don't have any TV. Mm. No TV, no Apple TV. Okay. 100% of video content is consumed on iOS devices. Or oh, oh, Mac OS, sorry. Or oh, iPad OS. <laughs> <laughs> you really have to list them all. <laughs> There's no TV OS device associated with the consumption of video content in this house. How about that? Do your, do your kids watch anything? Yeah, Johannes watches a little bit on the iPad. Ah, okay. Just give him an iPad to watch. Yeah, man. Hopefully, it's a cheap iPad. My kids destroyed their iPads when they were that age. I'm frankly shocked that he hasn't smashed it, considering the number of phones that I've lost <laughs> through his hands. Right. Uh, but I think he really takes care of it because uh, he doesn't want to miss out on his little on watching his show at lunchtime. Right. There's there's no TV <laughs> to fall back to, so he knows that's his only option. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but it is also a cheap one. It's like that the no Monica iPad from 2017. Okay. So I've got yeah. an iPad it's, mini. It's like $300 to start with. Yeah. It was bought in 2015 that is on like its fourth screen now because of, of how many times, and that's with <laughs> putting a case on it and everything. It just, it gets shattered over time. Oh, I don't even have a case on this iPad and it still, still has survived. Wow. Okay. Well, you have raised much gentler children than I have, apparently. Mm, yeah. You should really stop them watching UFC every Sunday. That's your problem. Oh, man. <laughs> but I don't know how else I'd keep them <laughs> occupied. Not like I want to spend a day playing with them or something. Ugh, imagine that. Good morning. Have you updated to 14.5 Beta 2 yet? Uh, you know, I saw it came out. I didn't deliberately update to it, but maybe my phone did overnight. Let me check. I'm not sure there's been an overnight since it came out. Possibly. I woke Let's up see, this morning to, to the article. No, it still hasn't been. To the news. Yeah. It still hasn't been downloaded, so I need to update. I find it normally takes a couple of days after an update's released before the phone's like, all right, I'm going to do an automatic update. Like, it never gets there before I do. Yeah, I guess that's right. I wonder if that's deliberate to try to like minimize load on their network all at once i think so yeah and in a case of like a major bug that starts to hit people oh yeah that's actually probably the smart thing to do 
Well, the biggest new thing to... I, I have updated, sorry, to answer your question. Yeah, just before uh, we started recording, mm-hmm. I finished the update. I uh, don't really know why I rushed to do it before the show, though, because uh, I'm just going to read, like, from the release notes <laughs> instead of look <laughs> through the phone for something that's new. <laughs> uh-huh. There's no real reason for me to update except that the update was there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, maybe I'll find something as we go through the notes because uh, new emoji have arrived that's always big and, news. Uh, I like to call it the Jesus emoji have arrived because now you can have a long-haired person with a beard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Jesus emoji. I, this is 100% expected, but of course they replaced the headphone emoji with, with AirPods Max. Mm-hmm. So, one more thing in your lineup that's just an Apple product. <laughs> Their goal is to replace every product emoji with something that they produce mm-hmm. the syringe emoji is no longer a uh a, a uh what do you call it a blood blood draw don't a blood draw it's uh now clear fluid so it's more likely to be uh, an, an injection of something or a vaccine yeah that makes sense they always try to make their emoji as harmless as possible with water guns and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how these are implemented. I haven't seen anything spelling it out yet. Uh, but Apple does do some extra stuff above and beyond standard emojis to make some of these things work, right? So to have uh, something else that's new in this is is you can have your couple emojis, but each individual having different skin tones. Uh, and some of those things are just native to apple so if you send them to someone else it's not going to come across quite the same as as you would expect it to are you serious well some of these for sure yeah i i don't know exactly how these specifically are implemented if it's part of the unicode consortium this is how emojis work and it's been implemented you know on iphone and windows and android and everywhere else that you can view them then it'll come across correctly. But if it is something that Apple's just adding above and beyond, then it won't. Just like how the Apple logo, uh, it's not really an emoji, but the icon looks right on Apple devices, but then you just get a box on like a Chrome browser or something. Surely these are all part of the emoji spec though. And if you get something different, it's just because the phones aren't at the latest spec. That's got to be it. Yeah, that, that very well I could be the case. I believe the app was like, doing stuff outside the spec. Like, what's the point of the spec if they're just doing anything? Well, I think I think that's a like a minimum that everyone needs to uh, support. But I can see people going above and beyond, especially Apple, who has in the past added things that only appear correct on their devices. Hmm. But yeah, I don't know how this works, I'm if just... this is from the spec or not. I'm just having a quick scroll through Unicode.org. Um, just, I'm going to see if I can find a, uh, a couple and what the skin tone options are. Okay, it's not immediately obvious. <laughs> At least there are no skin tones besides yellow on Unicode.org. So it's going to be hard to... Yeah, okay. okay. I, I, I think I got it here. I'm looking at right. the uh, the latest emoji recently added. This is from the Unicode Consortium version 
it's got face in the clouds, face spiral eyes, heart on fire, those things. And it also has the, uh, append for beard on person. So it's a part of the mm-hmm. official spec that you can add a beard to a person. Okay. So that's legit emoji. Right. So it's just a matter of all the operating systems catching up for that to look correct. Ah, here's something. Emoji with skin tones are not listed here. See full skin tone emoji list. Ah, okay. Yeah, their skin tones aren't listed in this update. The same way that all the other uh, emojis that came in 14.5 are. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. It looks like all the mixtures of skin tones are official emoji spec as well. Okay. So... Yeah, I really think that uh, if you're seeing boxes or like skin tones that don't match what you sent on another device, it's probably just because they're not on the latest spec. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right at this point. Yeah. I hope so. It's yeah, it's funny at this point how uh, I mean, long ago Unicode Consortium was was around specifically to like, oh man, you know, this language has a word for this and how are we going to fit that in Unicode and, and make it look right? And now it seems like a big part of all their meetings and updates is like, what new emoji are we going to add since that's taken <laughs> off in the last 10 years? It sure has made headlines uh-huh. over any other updates that they've done. Yeah, I'm sure they've put a lot of legitimate work into making sure all these languages are covered by Unicode as well. But uh, I think I think thanks to Apple in part, or even maybe mostly with their emoji keyboard they added with the iPhones. That's what really brought emoji into popularity all that time ago. Yeah, remember back when you actually had to add the emoji keyboard as another keyboard? Uh Uh-huh. Man, we were really living in the sticks back then, weren't we? Back when emoticons were still the best way to communicate. Emoticons? Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so iPhone mini, iPhone 12 mini users can rejoice, or at least some of them, because the green tint fix, the green screen tint issue has been fixed. So a lot of iPhone 12 mini users had a very green screen when they were like in a very dark room and their phone was on low brightness. They wouldn't get like proper, proper dark OLED screen. It, it would look green. Were you seeing that? It seems. I never got it. No. Hmm. I tested it quite thoroughly as well, just to check, but uh, my blacks are black. Certainly no green in them. Okay. Cool to see that it wasn't a, uh, well, I guess it could have been a hardware issue, but it was totally fixable in software because uh, there's a little Reddit thread on it and yeah, people using that uh, 14.5 beta 2 aren't seeing the tint anymore. Yeah, that's awesome. It does sound like a screen issue that wouldn't be able to be fixed with software, so that's good to hear. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, a mention of a new battery pack. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, this this only makes sense. So the sense. text... Sorry? I said this makes complete sense. I've, I've been waiting for an accessory like this since they announced MagSafe. Yeah, you've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. But the hint is uh, in a little bit of text that someone found, which says, to improve charging efficiency and maximize available battery life, the battery pack will keep your phone charged at around 90%. Right, which is standard text they've used in the past with their smart cases, but the wording is slightly different to say battery pack instead of smart battery case. Huh, okay. So the old battery packs, the old battery cases, sorry, would only charge to 90% as well? I I think that was like as of maybe iOS 13 or something where they started to really focus on maintaining battery health the same, same time your phone wouldn't charge all the way up until you're just about to wake up. 
Uh, mm, started okay. doing stuff like that. I haven't had a battery case since iPhone 6s, maybe, I think. Right. It's been that long. I hate cases, so I will live with a, a dead battery before I put a case on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait until you need to start your car with your phone and enter your house with your phone. Oh, yeah. Then you're going to have a battery case on there. That's true. Yeah, if it becomes your primary way of doing everything, you're going to have to have like 100 different fallbacks so you don't get locked out of your house with a dead battery. Mm, yeah, just in case. Yeah, I'm pretty keen to see how they implement it. I imagine it'll be pretty pretty basic, just a, uh, a case, a battery built in. Hopefully they give it that little uh, bump so you can like hold your phone with your pinky finger or your ring finger. Remember that? Yeah. The camel. Yep. I mean... And, of course, it'll charge with uh, MagSafe. I'm expecting something less than that. I, I'm thinking something like that looks like the MagSafe wallet, but it's just a battery instead. So it snaps on the back and that's it. No, it couldn't possibly be that. It doesn't attach securely enough. I mean, imagine the weight of a battery. It's even more likely to come off somehow like you... You take a hard step and you're just holding the sides of the phone and the weight of it just pulls the battery pack off the back of the phone. It wouldn't happen with the folio, uh, the wallet, because it's you know fairly lightweight. But the inertia of a battery is uh, yeah, a little bit more, a fair bit more. True. They could, they could always put stronger batteries in the, in the, or stronger magnets in the battery accessory and yeah the way i would picture using something like this is that it would just be in my pocket and when i put my phone in i snap the battery on but then i would take the phone out if i'm gonna hold the phone i don't want the battery in my hand but you're so anti-case <laughs> <laughs> you'd would, you would go through this fumble in your pocket people are gonna think something's up with you as you're messing around in your pocket with your battery <laughs> phone situation <laughs> why is he always at the playground <laughs> Uh, my 12 pro max is already so big i cannot imagine having to deal with it even a millimeter thicker with uh, a case on it and i'm i'm pretty sure that come this fall i'm going to go back to a smaller size again mm -hmm. unless they give me a strong reason to keep the max because of some exclusive feature again it wouldn't be unusual for the like the max spec camera specs to come down to like the regular pro size right yeah we've already seen some rumors about that uh like in the last month so i'm hoping that's true and we get sensor shift stabilization or in-body stabilization coming to all the phones this year i'm picturing the battery pack will at least have like sides like it'll wrap around the sides of the phone i think that would make more sense and I'd probably be safer and more secure uh hmm but at that at that maybe point maybe doesn't need like top and bottom though uh maybe i say at that point where's the line between smart battery case and smart battery pack or whatever you know i feel like a pack is a more of a discrete separate thing and the case would wrap around the phone i reckon the distinction between case and pack is simply the, the that the magsafe is doing the charging rather than using the lightning port i think that's going to be the only real distinction and apart from that it'll be largely the same okay yeah and that's that's pretty nice that you can charge your phone on the go i i was gonna say you can still have your port free but i think the smart cases had a pass report didn't they 
They did, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least a little thinner then. Yeah, so that, that's a question then. How are you going to charge the battery pack? I assume wirelessly. It probably has a MagSafe as well. So the the pack itself won't have a lightning port of any description. It'll be a purely wireless charging device. I think we're a year or two away from iPhones being completely portless. So it makes sense they're going to try to really push wireless everything leading up to that. Mm, this is the first step then. Yeah. Well, it's a nice way to ease into it, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Uh, another little update in 14.5 beta 2 is that uh, the on the iPads, when the smart folio is shut, the built-in microphone is muted. I thought it already did that, so I was a little surprised to see that in the notes. Yeah, I thought we had heard something about this in the past, and I don't know what I'm thinking of that I'm confusing for this, but maybe it was something they announced and they're just now getting around to implementing it, or yeah, maybe, maybe the phones did something similar with the smart folio or whatever they called that, uh, but yeah, I was also under that impression. Uh, and just quickly to run through the last ones, there's a new shortcut action for uh, getting the latest screenshots and taking screenshots. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apple Music's got some new slide controls to manage your up next stuff. Oh, and actually, this is probably the only lo- interesting thing that's left in these notes is in the Find My app, there's uh, some new wording that says, these are items that aren't yours but have been seen with you for a continuous amount of time. Mm-hmm. So you find someone's phone and you put it in your pocket and you you know you carry it around for a few days because either you've actually stolen it or you just haven't found the owner and then suddenly it starts to appear in your Find My app maybe uh, or maybe it's just related to the AirTags. I think yeah, like you found someone's keys. Well, I think you're talking about a a side effect, maybe a secondary benefit of this uh, to discourage theft because like hey we know you have this. Uh, I think the primary f- hmm. reason this is here is to combat a concern people have will have when air tags come out is well, what if someone wants to track me and they just drop one of their air tags in my bag or something uh well, you'll get a notification if uh-huh. if someone's air tag is following you around uh-huh. I think that's the motivating factor for that, yeah, yeah, that's probably uh much more likely so not not that anyone's ever said that before or at least not loudly before about tile or samsung or any other tracker tags but as soon as apple does something people are going to complain about it so hmm. so i'm not going to be able to track yasmin's movements now you're not, you're not without She's her knowing pop up and find my yeah you got to just add her to your family then you don't need a tag you can just track her phone oh don't worry we are in a family already that's such a nice feature to have uh like i i don't know like in in past relationships where like I've I've been in a family with my my uh, significant other and we've we've shared our location with each other. When I talk about it with people, they're like, "Oh, that's so creepy. Why do you, like you guys don't trust each other to like just be out without having to keep a constant eye on each other?" It's like that's not really what it is. Sometimes it's just really nice. Like we're in the mall. Where did they go? Oh, look, they're just down at the other store. Okay, I'll mm. walk down there or mm-hmm. or set up like a. <laughs> Like if I was supposed to do something around the house, like like clean or something while they're out, it's like I'll set an alert. Like they're leaving the store, you better have done the laundry or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, to tell the truth, I stopped using uh, 
location alerts for other people when it started to alert the other people that you'd set them because I just find that weird, which I know is ironic because it's weird that I don't do it now that they know I'm doing it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, now that it tells Yasmin that I've set up an alert for when she's leaving somewhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> nah, nah. Now she's going to be questioning why I set an alert for it. That That's James' notice to, to kick his girlfriend out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah no i it's not just uh my immediate family on um which is only yasmin at the moment but my my ex immediate family all my siblings are on my find my as well and my parents and closest friends and nice i'm actually surprised i don't have you on find my what's going on there yeah i'm fine with adding you if you want to see exactly how uh sedentary my lifestyle is <laughs> That's the least concerning thing in the world for me, for someone on the other side of the world to know what where my current location is. <laughs> Done. You can now see exactly where I am. Oh, nice. All right. I'll share it. Share All indefinitely. Right. All right. Oh, man. I haven't opened the Find My app in so long. <laughs> it's just a pile of devices, uh, mostly because like all the phones on my wall anything that I can update to the latest OS is. So I have like five iPhones in my find my list and a couple pairs of AirPods and, and three uh-huh. or four Macs. And for some reason, well, there's iPads and, and Apple watches and then my kids devices. And yeah, it's, it's just like a pile of devices all on top of each other. For some reason, Yasmin's AirPods, Yasmin is spelled with a Z, all her other devices with an S. That's odd. Anyway. Who named that? We should probably move on to other topics since we've already been going for quite a long time. (laughs) Okay. So there have been rumors or rumblings for a couple of months now that the iPhone 12 mini is not doing well and that it's on its deathbed. Production cuts, um, down down downscaling production, same thing as production cuts, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then and then probably won't be produced this year. Uh, for the mini, for the 12S mini, whatever it's going to be called, 12 mini S. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, but then there's the anti-rumor, well, not the anti-rumor, but the, yeah, I guess anti-rumor that Apple is planning to launch the iPhone 13 mini. They called it despite poor sales. Uh, so my thoughts on this are, actually, I, I was listening to the talk show with John Gruber mm-hmm. and he said something interesting. Uh, he's actually talked to people inside Apple about like production rumors that get leaked in quotes. And nearly all the time, the Apple people are saying like, where are these people getting this information? Because it's completely inaccurate or it's false. It's made up or they've got no idea. I mean, it's a little bit of they say this and they say that, but I tend to believe sources of John Gruber just because, you know, he's he's really up there in terms of Apple News, reliable Apple News person. Mm-hmm. Other people don't quite have the same opinion of him, <laughs> but I like him. <laughs> yeah, I love John Gruber. Who doesn't like John Gruber? A lot of people don't like him. He's fairly opinionated, sure. so that tends to polarize people. Okay. Uh, and then the other part of it, saying that Apple does plan an iPhone 
13 Mini mm-hmm. came from John Prosser with no sources named. So, <laughs> <laughs> sure. so I think we can take both rumors with quite a lot of salt. I mean, there's always people, naysayers, I guess, talking about iPhones. Uh, I remember something about the iPhone 10, you know, in 2017, after a few months, they said, it's not selling well and Apple's going to stop production on it. And, and uh, so we hear things like this from time to time. And even with that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if iPhone 12 mini is selling the worst of all the devices. Um, I think the number one thing the 12 mini had going for it was that it was the cheapest one. And that was kind of undercut by the fact they released the SE, uh, you know, a few months prior that year. So anyone who was waiting on a cheap iPhone bought the SE. And then when the 12 mini came out, uh, a lot of that market had already been kind of cannibalized by that other device. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, I think the people who want a small iPhone just for the fact that the small iPhone is a lot smaller than people that are just going to go for the cheapest one. So hope. Yeah, it's probably a fraction. Hopefully, they do keep this going, and we'll see a 12s mini this year, and and then maybe there'll be a lot more people willing to upgrade at that point, and they'll get a lot more of those cheap iPhone buys as well. Yeah, I cross my fingers too. It's certainly got its niche. And a lot of people like the size and the form factor. You know, they still want a top-tier phone, but uh, in the small package, counting me amongst those people. And to show, like, a commitment to it for more than one cycle. Yeah. Is, uh, is probably, like, necessary to actually get, you know, get, like, a, a fan base, a, a bigger fan base behind it, and then to sell more of them. Mm-hmm. If they could just... This is probably outside the normal possibility, but if they if they could do like twelve S Pro Mini or whatever, that's what I really want because because I am all for the small phone, phone form factor, and I would be all on it if I didn't feel like I was lo- missing out on features for buying it. Mm. So okay, if that ever happens, that will be the phone I get for sure. I think it confuses the lineup a little bit though. Right now, it's like it's a pretty clean, like mini, standard, standard pro, big pro. Oh. But then to also have like its little mini pro in there. I I agree. I'm I'm sick of the pro stuff though. I think there should be mini, normal, and big, and they are all the same. And there's no pro or regular. <laughs> I don't think Apple's ever going to do that because they make too much money selling. A cheap one and an expensive one. Um, I know. They sell the exact same phone with an aluminum case and a stainless steel case, and and they can sell it twice, basically. And, yeah, they're never going to stop. Also in 14.5 beta, you can select your default music streaming service. So prior to this beta, you could play music in other apps using Siri if you said, like, Yo Siri, play blah blah in Spotify. Mm-hmm. That would work, wouldn't it? Yeah. But now, once you've actually set the default, you don't have to specify. Like, I want to play it in X. You just ask for what you want it to play, and it'll go to say Spotify. Yeah, I'm sh- and play that song. I'm sure that's great <laughs> for anyone who uses Spotify or whatever else. Uh, it seems like a minor change, uh, but. 
yeah, good for them to do it. And I hope that this is a sign that coming up in like iOS 15 and onward, we see a lot more uh, ability to choose default apps in the same way you can do email and browser now. They can add music and calendar and and reminders or whatever else in the future. Uh, I think that that'll be great. And I think that's kind of the road they're going down, whether that's out of the kindness of their hearts or because they're trying to avoid all the antitrust stuff going on right now. Uh, I think it's a win-win either way. When it comes to the music, I think it's very much in the world. It's probably... 90% 90% antitrust and 10% user experience. Right. <laughs> like when when Mr. EU comes knocking and says, like, uh, you offer a music service on your phone from you on your operating system. And Apple's like, yeah, but if you say in Spotify at the end of your Siri command, it, it goes to Spotify. Mm-hmm. And Mr. EU's like, no. Now what you have to do is when the person gets the phone for the first time and presses music, you give them like a dialogue box choosing which service they want to install. <laughs> and, and Apple is doing everything they can for that never ever to happen. <laughs> right, yeah. So if they can show Mr. S- Mr. EU that actually if you go into settings, uh, actually I have no idea where the setting is. Say settings, music, defaults or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can actually choose the music here. And then Mr. EU's like... Okay, that's probably fine then. Don't worry about that uh, little dialogue box. Well, uniquely in this case, that setting is nowhere. That prompt will only come up via Siri if you ask. You can't get it to it in settings. Oh, really? Okay. Puts a little hole in my theory then. Yeah, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to look at the example here in the article. It says it. if you tell it to play music, it'll say the first time it'll say which app would you like to use and then it lists all your your music apps so that you pick that and then that'll be your default from then on yeah i guess else would it function though like you got your phone and you went into like say it was in settings mm-hmm. defaults music and you change it to spotify does suddenly the music icon change to a spotify icon in your dock no that doesn't make any sense well, so well how does it work maybe that... a default browser right now Surely it doesn't change wherever your Safari icon is into a Chrome icon. It's just a matter of when you click on a link, it opens in Chrome and the app icons stay where they are. So, like, where else would you put it for music? I I don't know. I don't, Siri. I'm looking for it now. I don't even know where you, where you go to change your browser. Like, it's not, it's not under Safari. I don't know. Anyway, there's I'm sure there's a group of people who this appeals to and the general idea of being able to pick your own default app appeals to them. I am a big fan of, of the complete integration and having the same app on all my devices, so I use the default Apple app in every case. Uh, 14.5 also adds Apple Maps feature for crowdsourcing. Waiting for the article to open. Accidents, speed traps, and hazards. This is kind of. Cool. I remember back in like 2009, maybe, there was an app called Trapster. Mm-hmm. This is like the first app that did this, at least in my area. You just leave your phone running on your dash and 
I mean, this one was obviously targeted at speed cameras because it was called Trapster. Mm-hmm. But it, it also uh, it also logged accidents and hazards. But that was pretty revolutionary. But it did mean you always had to leave the app running on your phone. And I don't think you could even use navigation when it was running. <laughs> okay. So it was pretty primitive and limiting. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, 12 years later, we're getting a similar thing in Apple Maps. Um, but as a lot of people in the comments on that Reddit article note, uh, Waze has been the uh, Waze has had this sort of feature for quite a long time. I've never been a Waze user, so don't really know how well it works. But I haven't used it either. But it's very popular, at least in the US. A lot of people do use it just because it has those features, and it's owned by Google, so it's got you know all the Google infrastructure backing it, but. I feel like Google has just been so hesitant to add you know, speed trap alerts into Google Maps. They've kept ways around just to have a separate app that does that. And and maybe now that Apple's building it into their maps, it'll be the push Google needs to build into Google Maps as well. The And the bigger the user base reporting these things, the more accurate it is and the more up-to-date it is. So, mm-hmm. yeah, chuck it in Apple Maps. I can't wait. I'm hoping it's not just a US thing, as lots of maps features tend to be. It seems like there should be no reason it is. They just need to put, have some database with a GPS coordinate and uh, like a flag for whether it's an accident or hazard or a speed check, and that should be able to work anywhere. But who knows what they artificially limit. It could be like a regulatory thing or a law thing. It might even be like state by state. That's true. They have to figure out, like, is it allowed to based on speed traps so it looks like from what i can tell currently it only works while you have directions pulled up so if you're getting directions somewhere Mm -hmm. you can see those alerts and add an alert uh okay it seems like that would be the kind of thing that i would like to just have going all the time like i always want an alert if there's a a cop waiting up ahead you know and at the same time if i was just driving down the road and i pass a cop it'd be really easy just to tap that button if it's always up but i rarely have directions going in my car so i wouldn't be able to use that feature and it seems like most people wouldn't i think most driving people do is not assisted uh so they're missing out on a lot of data points by not opening it to everyone and maybe that'll change between now and the release uh but that's what i'm hoping for maybe the issue is like you're driving down the street and there's like a cop two blocks ahead but you're taking a left turn before then and they don't want to alert you erroneously i do remember back in the traps days so going a long way back you'd get alerts for like all sorts of stuff that wasn't on your route oh really yeah so maybe it's trying to just give you more accurate results by using the route it knows you're taking i guess at the same time i don't even follow the route it's giving me all the time so yeah I don't know. Who knows? I'm anxious to see, but I'm excited. I certainly agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, me too. We already have hazards, though, here at least, like because it hooks into whatever official... Uh, sorry, accidents. Oh, no, accidents and, and hazards already show up on my map, like if there's road work or yeah, traffic accident. There's like a central source of data and it's pumped into Apple Maps somehow. Mm-hmm. And you've got their uh, traffic speed... Uh, like the red or yellow streets based on just 
positions and general speed of other iPhones traveling in the area. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, this isn't adding. Like the only thing this is adding is the ability to tell someone if there's a cop up ahead, which is still a great thing to have. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Although, do you, how often do you get tickets? I, I logged into my um my uh, driver services whatever account the other day, and I get a ticket roughly every two years and uh, I'm, I'm very consistent i always am going between 10 and 19 kilometers per hour over the limit mm-hmm. every time i get a ticket <laughs> okay but it's fairly rare uh early on in my driving like high school and college most of college at least i was probably getting a ticket once a year uh, but mm-hmm. I haven't gotten a ticket in five years. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah. It, it probably wouldn't help me that much. Although, as a matter of fact, it might have the opposite effect where I feel safer to speed in, in a lot of situations because I'll be warned if right. it's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, although I used to only drive, you know, Camaros and stuff, and now I'm driving around in a family car. So it's not as fun to go fast as it used to be. Yeah, yeah. I used to drive around in a WRX, and you didn't even have to get speed. You didn't have, didn't even have to speed to get pulled over by a cop. Oh yeah, when you're driving around in a Rex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's next on the list? Uh, an iPhone, well, a this year iPhone or a iPhone 13 rumors to feature a refined matte back, not matte black, but matte back, mm-hmm. uh, and always on display. Reduced notch, touch ID, and 120 hertz refresh rate. Uh, do you want to go through them one by one? Sure. Uh, refined matte back. That's pretty vague. Let me have a look at my currently black iPhone. Taking the case off it. So you've just got it's a shi- It's a very shiny. It's a very shiny back. Yeah, only the Pro phones have the matte back. Mm-hmm. So you can look at the little bit around your camera, I guess, to get a feel for what the back of my whole phone looks like. Okay. It looks pretty good. Yeah. So the only thing it said here is that it's going to be more grippy, which uh, I think is good because this mat is, is very, very smooth. You don't get any of the grippiness mm, of like okay. regular glass. So I guess that's a, a, a benefit, but I've never dropped my phone because it's too slippery. Like I'm always surprised when I see people complaining about how slippery phones are online because I've ever dropped a phone but i'm sure that'll be beneficial to some people i think it's a like a surety thing rather than actually dropping your phone it's just nice to have to hold your phone and feel like you have a good grip on it yeah yeah. i'd, I'd be surprised if anyone actually dropped their phone because it was slippery but just like when you have a when i put a case on my phone it just i just feel more confident right it's like it's like an ad for a case i just feel more confident <laughs> And I flick my hair back and walk into the sunset. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm a big fan of this this uh textured glass they've been doing the last couple of years. So if if nothing else, I'm happy to see that they're still uh wanting to continue down this route of of, of textured matte glass and they're not thinking about switching it out to something else. Mm, yep. And always on display. Now this is something that phones have had for a long, long time. Some phones, it, yeah. Some phones, not <laughs> iPhones. Right. 
But I think an always-on display is going to be amazing. Oh, Just yeah. like on the watch when you have an always-on display. I'm sure it's amazing. I look forward to the day when I do have that. Yeah, I think this goes hand-in-hand hand with the high refresh rate display. Is it's, it's just all because of LTPO. They'll be able to ramp up and down the refresh rate uh, so much that they can leave the display on all the time. Uh, that's probably the number one feature that I have missed moving from Android to iPhone uh, was I really liked having a notification LED to get the little flash of different colors depending on what's going on so I always can tell and and this isn't exactly that but it's similar where you could just get a little notification pop up without even check your phone or it could be as simple as an LED if they just like made one corner of your display light up a different color for different apps but I don't imagine that's what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, this also opens it up, I think, for Apple Watch style complications you could put on your lock screen where you always have like a little weather complication or something like that. I think that could be really useful as well. I think that would be useful, but I'd be very surprised if they did anything besides show the date and time, show the battery, and then show notifications when they're coming in. Mm-hmm. I'd be, yeah, I'd be really surprised if they made it any more complicated <laughs> than that. <laughs> Um, they kind of do, like they kind of hinted at an always-on display with the current Yo Siri indicator when your screen is off. Like it only lights up the Siri bubble mm-hmm. thing, the Siri icon, right? And that looks really cool. So I'm looking forward to more things in that same sort of realm. Um, I do expect that an, an iPhone without an always-on display is going to feel like an old iphone really quickly though right kind of like when we went from being able to just tap the screen to turn the phone on oh yeah you remember when that came in and then like if you went back to an old phone and you touched the screen and didn't turn on oh (laughs) that feels yes it's so minor but it really made the old phone feel out of date yep and likewise just the how it uses the accelerometer to guess when you're bringing the phone up to look at it and it just turns the screen on then as well. Mm -hmm. And then when you pick up an old iPhone and do it uh, and the screen doesn't come on, it just feels broken. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm totally expecting that this always-on display is going to be uh, like a, a bigger thing than the words on the screen suggest it will be. I'm excited for what this means, uh, especially with, like, I, I put this MagStafe MagSafe stand at my desk while I'm working, and, and it's a nice place to stop my phone when I'm working, but my phone's just a blank screen. If it's always on and showing my notifications, that's going to gonna change how I interact with my phone in a big way, I think. And sc- on, screens are cool. Mm-hmm. So why would you want it turned off? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so a reduced notch... I kind of expected it this generation. Uh, yeah, this generation, to be honest. But yeah, it's never really shrunk. So it's it's been this has been a rumor for every phone since the iPhone ten. Uh, I think I think we're overdue for the notch to get smaller. Um, I've seen a couple people, John Prosser the most, talk about how it's going to be reduced. Uh, it seems if if John Prosser is is to be believed that it's not going to be reduced in the way that a lot of people have been predicting where it gets uh, narrower. It's actually going to get shorter. So you're going to have the same width, but it's going to be like half the height, 
which I think is a, a better implementation than than a yeah than the narrower option. But either way, I think it's gonna make very little difference. I don't notice my notch when I use it day to day, so it, it makes very little difference to me. The only time I notice notch is watching the video because I do like to make it fill the screen, and so you then have that little right. obvious notch on the left. Um, but to keep the width for the face ID sensors and then just to shrink it like up towards the top of the phone mm-hmm. does make a hell of a lot of sense, doesn't it? I think that's a lot better because for situations like you're talking about watching video, uh, I think it'll intrude a lot less in your video than a mm-hmm. notch at the same height but just slightly narrower would. And it looks like there's a lot to play with. Like just looking at my notch now, there's like mm-hmm. there's a fair bit of space above it. It's definitely above it, and then a little bit below it. So if you've got no width to play with, then yeah, yeah, jam it up the top, and then they'll leave it like that for another five years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on this show about a year ago, I said if Apple aren't doing uh, punch holes for their <laughs> for their like things at the top this year, then they're they've fallen way behind. <laughs> but uh, surprisingly, few companies are doing the punch hole uh, technique to. Get rid of the notch. We are right on the the bleeding edge of under-display cameras now. Mm. Uh, yeah, we're on the bleeding edge, that's for sure, because the quality I've seen coming out of them is fairly low still. Not just the picture quality, but the screen covering it quality. Right, yeah. Uh, that's The display's going to get better, and then you're going to need a company like Apple or Google to really perfect some some software side correction to get rid of all the blur of looking through a screen. Uh, but I think the machine yep. learning of either one of those two companies is going to be the only way to solve it. Speaking of under screen technologies, touch ID is also rumored to come back. So you'd guess it would come under the screen and not to the lock button, but mm-hmm. you never know. Yeah. I think either are pretty likely. Uh, I think that that now is, as good of a time as any to reintroduce Touch ID. As a matter of fact, this is a great time because Apple doesn't have to backtrack on anything they said about Touch ID being less secure. And, and they can say, well, you know, the world's in a situation where this is, is necessary. So we went ahead and added it back for you and can kind of save face in that <laughs> way. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see that this year. Am I going crazy or is there already an Apple device with touchscreen in the lock button ipad air yeah so they already do it they already have a lock button with touch id Mm -hmm. but they have put a lot of research into under display touch id so it seems like i mean this might be a sunk cost fallacy thing but it seems like they've been working on this hard enough they should be able to do it and it would be a lot cooler yeah maybe if i had to choose i'd stick it in the lock button though for, I think there are more situations where you're gripping or reaching for your phone and your your fingers able to touch the button without you know, unsighted as opposed to looking for the spot on your screen to put your finger. Well, that's true. It depends on how big that spot is. If they can cover a big area with some kind of sensor. You know, you were just saying a few minutes ago how old and outdated phones felt that you had to press the button to turn it on. If you could just touch the screen and it unlocked, I think that would feel a lot better. Yeah, maybe. Especially if you didn't have a small target. 
But if you had like your thumb and your index finger registered for Touch ID, it didn't, wouldn't even matter which way you gripped your phone or mm-hmm. reached for it. It just always unlock when you had it ready. Oh, I agree. It could work. Uh, it would take a little bit of getting used to for me uh, because I definitely don't hold my phone in any way that I'm touching a button. And I uh, rarely touch buttons at all, actually. So I'd have to get, get used to doing that. But I think <laughs> it'd be second nature at some point. How do you lock it then? Ah, oh, well, I guess you got me. I do press the button to lock it. But that's not okay. at all how I hold my phone normally. My fingers are not near it just because my phone is so big. Uh, we didn't really talk much about the increased refresh rate. Well, you, you did mention it. Have you got anything else to say about it? Uh, no, not really. Like I said, I think it's going to come with the LTPO <laughs> technology. Uh, yeah. It's going to make a lot of nerds happy and a lot of other people aren't going to notice. <laughs> we expected it last year and mm-hmm. well, I had to wait until this year. I did have like an extra article in here just wondering what you thought about airpods auto switching because according to reigning champ uh, airpods pro auto switching is useless and actually ruins the wireless experience mm-hmm. i turned off auto switching because it ruined my wireless experience really how about you uh i have it on yeah uh and have been mostly happy with it there's definitely been a couple times where i've experienced what's being described here where uh the audio is hijacked by a device i didn't want it to or not switching to a device i do want it to but those have been pretty rare for me Uh, now it seems like according to this post and a lot of people in the comments this seems to specifically be an issue relating to the mac uh Mm -hmm. and even more specifically, Intel Macs. Uh, so I don't really have a good way to test that. I don't use AirPods at all on my Mac. I use my my wired headphones when we're doing the podcast. And other than that, I use my speakers. Uh, and also, I very rarely use my Mac, unfortunately, because I work off a Windows PC. So maybe if I was in a situation where I was switching devices more often, uh, this would be a frustration for me. But as far as going back and forth between my iPad Pro and my iPhone, uh, it's been completely seamless and it's always worked the way I wanted it to, except for maybe one or two exceptions. So say you're listening to something on your phone and then you pick up your iPad just to check something and the iPad steals the audio away. Is that not annoying? Uh, I suppose that would be annoying (laughs) if that ever happened to me. I don't listen to things on my, my phone I guess this is probably also uh, a big reason that's bothered me. If I'm listening to something on my phone, it's coming through my HomePod. Uh, the only time I ever put my headphones in is to take a call. Um, hmm, okay. And that's a, a big part of that is just not being out of the house in the last year. Because uh, mm, I would have had yeah. my headphones in and, and listening to stuff on the go or whatever else. But because I've just been at home, my office, if I'm listening to something, I just tap my home pod and it comes through that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe it's your use case that doesn't lead to the frustration that a lot of people are having. Right. Which is, I guess my use case is very little. So yeah, <laughs> but it wasn't working for you. I mean, it works. It auto switches, but it just auto switches all the time when I don't want it to. Hmm. If I, you know, if I, I'm playing something on my phone and I just 
pause it to and then go and check something on the computer i typically don't want the audio to switch to the computer i just want it to stay where it was i just like yeah it's just the certainty Mm -hmm. of knowing where the audio is going to go when you press play especially say you've got like a sleeping kid on your arm or in the bed next to you or sure something like that you you never want the audio just to blare out of the speakers so your typical use case is you're in bed you've got a, a child laying on your arm you've got your phone in your hand and your laptop next to you and your and your mm-hmm. airpods are switching back and forth with your pile of devices in the bed with you that's that's right all my babies <laughs> paul macbook pro iphone <laughs> all my loved ones right airpods can't forget those mm-hmm. the the app i mean the iphone and the apple watch kind of have had this automatic switching since they were launched really and i find that in itself is annoying enough because there are certainly situations when i'm trying to command something through my phone to my phone through my airpods and for some reason my watch starts taking the command and doing something which it's not capable of doing or trying to do something it's not capable of doing. And, yeah, I can't remember the exact scenario where this happens, but, but yeah, even that, like, limited auto-switching between those two devices, two devices, like, fine, can be annoying. Huh. I don't keep anything on my Apple Watch. I don't have any music or, or podcasts or anything just stored on the watch itself. So I've never had a situation as far as I'm aware that my AirPods have been paired to the watch directly to play stuff. Maybe it's been doing it without me noticing this whole time, but, but that's never happened to me. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I recently discovered in Overcast that you can actually sync podcasts to your watch. So last show I said I was leaning towards Apple podcasts because I was using my watch more and it automatically synced episodes to the watch. Mm -hmm. Since then I have found that in the latest version, you can automatically sync Oh man! Podcast to your watch, so fully back on board Overcast, and there is a situation where I'm using specifically the the watch to send audio to my AirPods, mm-hmm. and with no desire for the phone to connect to it. And yet, if a like a call comes in, then you get this weird situation where the AirPods are like, "Oh, do I connect to the phone? Do I connect to the watch? Where do I answer the call? Where's the audio coming from?" Right. And then your computer's ringing in the background and the kids are asleep and Yasmin's screaming. And <laughs> that is, this is the worst thing. Um, because, you know, as of, I don't know if it was this latest, I was 14 or I was 13 out of this, where you can choose to ignore calls from unknown callers. Uh, I've had that turned on all the time. And I love getting all my calls sent oh, straight yeah. to voicemail. However, it only happens mm-hmm. on the phone. My, my Mac and my iPad oh, really? will start ringing my phone's not ringing because it sent it to voicemail, but my other two devices are ringing as if I'm still getting a call. <laughs> I haven't experienced that. No, my my mute unknown call is, is in effect for everything. Really? And you have your other devices yeah. set up to forward your calls to them? Uh-huh. Yeah, like my my uh, MacBook will ring if a call's coming in. Interesting. Well, I don't know what I did, but yeah, my other devices will ring as if I still have a call coming. If I answer them, there won't be anything there because the call was already ended, but they will still ring. Ah, 
Right. I, I've have experienced something similar where you can answer the call on your phone and the computer doesn't realize for like another 10 seconds that the call was answered. So yeah, that's happened as well. That's the issue. Yeah, it's something along those lines. Yeah. Yep. I'm James VDM on Reddit and Twitter. And I'm Jelly Woot on Reddit and Twitter. And the show notes are on reddit.com slash r slash the r apple show. Hey, I was going to say, speaking of how uh, unbearably cold it's been, I ordered a yeah. fancy blanket the other day. I saw. Yeah, I saw you liked my tweet in response. But uh, yeah, Throwboy, which is a brand that I'm a pretty big fan of. I've, mm-hmm. I think I, I say this partially because they follow us on Twitter. Hi, Throwboy. <laughs> Sponsor us and Hi, send Throwboy. us pillows. Um, they make some really cool pillows, uh, like modeled after iconic Apple products. Like they got the classic Mac and Apple II and the original iPhone. So they got some cool stuff. Um, and they they just launched uh, some blankets. They got one that looks like the Finder icon and one that looks like a original Macintosh, which uh, I ordered because um, I think that would be a cool throw blanket. It looks very cool. Yeah. It looks a little on the small side, though. Are you sure it's going to be big enough? Uh, You know, I don't know exactly what the dimensions are going to be. I think it's going to be fine, especially because the main people that use these blankets are throwing the couch at the kids. So, mm, okay. and it'll be worth it just as a, a decoration anyway. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, they want as much as the blanket for shipping to me. So, oh, man, I'm not going to be making the purchase. I don't know where they're based out of. But I guess far from you. Far, far away. <laughs> Looks like it's 50 by 60 inches. So that's that's pretty big. It's like four feet by five feet. And in modern units? In modern units. Uh, <laughs> four feet two meters, right? 1.2 meters by 1.5 meters. So it's not like a full-sized mm. blanket, but... It's definitely a throw yeah. rug blanket. Not so much a comforter. That's what you call a doona, isn't it? <laughs> I love that. That was my nickname as a, a child. My dad, doona. My dad called me doona. Yeah. <laughs>